Can you give him a shout of praise? Come on, I need 10 seconds to lift up a praise to the Lord today. Five, four, come on, three. He's worthy to be praised. Two, one. Amen. Tell the person next to you, welcome to church. So glad to see you today. For those who don't know me, my name is Juan. Somebody say hi, Juan. I get the privilege to serve our youth and young adults here at church. It's awesome. If you've never been to youth group on a Wednesday night, you're missing out. God is moving. And before I continue, I just want to honor Pastor Rich and Janet for everything that they do here at our church. The opportunity to be able to speak here today. It's been amazing to the ministry by their side. We love them. They're actually outside. Did you guys see the truck? They're unloading the trees right now. They just told me that we had the first sale already. So listen, whether the trees are ready after service, go buy some trees or go home, come back. We're going to be here till 8 p.m. Get some trees. Let's help the kids. Let's, let's sell out this week. We have less trees. How many of you guys think that we can sell out of trees this week? Get your Christmas tree. It's going to be an amazing season. And I'm so glad that you guys made it to church today. Uh, if I didn't work at a church and it was raining like this, I would really question if I come to church on Sunday morning. But I'm here. And you guys are here. Just kidding. Even if I didn't work at church, I'll be here at 5 a.m. prayer. Because God has been so good to me that I can't. Can't, I cannot skip a, a church day. I can't afford that. It's been so good to me. And I hope that you can feel the same. Uh, this week, I think it's probably happened to some of you. And I'm kind of realizing that when you're about to be a, a parent, a new parent, a lot of fears start coming into your life. I don't know if somebody can relate. By the way, last time I preached here, I said that I was praying for a boy. And the Lord blessed us with a boy. We will name him Ezra. We're so excited. Can't wait for, for next year to baby to be born. Really amazing times. And for some reason, uh, I guess it was an attack of fear in my life this week. I started to think, why if, what if uh, I can't pay for my kid's college when he's an adult? I don't know if anybody ever had that. I was thinking, man, I need to buy a new car. And I started thinking, what if I can't? Then I started thinking about other things like, man, what if I don't see the vision of our youth group come to life. If you didn't know, as a youth group, we have this vision to pass 100 youth. And you can be part of the vision, first of all, by coming if you're a student. Second of all, if you're a parent, by bringing your kids. And we're praying for over 100 students moving out of the student venue and moving in here to the main venue. And just seeing the youth worship Jesus and seeing a revival in our schools and our youth. But I was thinking, what if I never get to see that vision come to pass? And immediately I just rebuke the spirit of fear and say, God has not given me a spirit of fear. But also, the Lord reminded me this word through a friend, and I want to remind it to you today. It's Psalm 118.17. And King David said this, I will not die. Instead, I will live to tell what the Lord has done. I want you to repeat it today. I will not die. Come on, louder. I will not die. Instead, I will live to tell what the Lord has done. You see, I don't know what sickness you carried into church today. I don't know what burden. I don't know what questions in your mind. I don't know what you're going through today. But you got to speak it's the word of God and say, I will not die. Instead, I will, I will see what the Lord will do in my life, in my family. I will not die. Instead, I will see what the Lord will do in my life. Sometimes it just takes a little bit of faith in a great God. And remind yourself what he says about himself. That he's not a man or a son of man. That he will lie and not fulfill his promises. Sometimes it just takes a little faith 
in his great word and remind yourself that no, you will not die of that sickness. No, you will not die because of that problem. No, you will not die because of that lack of faith and doubt in your mind. No, you will not die because of that depression. No, you will not die because of that breakup. No, you will not die because whatever you're going through right now seems like hell, but it is not hell. The Lord is still good enough to save you. The Lord is still good enough so that you can say, instead, I will live to see what the Lord will do. As soon as I heard that word, I said, I will pay for his college. I will get a new car. I will see the vision come to pass. I will live to testify about what God is doing. I love the book of Acts, and I believe this is week seven of this is the move of God as we go into this series. And we're really seeing the birth of the church, the beginning of the church as we know it. I don't know about you, but I love church. I think... I think Friday, it was Friday, I went to a Kirk Franklin Maverick City concert. And so I don't know if some of you went. And like a couple of rows behind me, this lady pulled out a tambourine. And I was like, okay, sister, but please keep up with the time, okay? And she was playing throughout the concert. And then, you know, in the middle of the concert, she kind of gave up. She got tired and stopped playing the tambourine. But I've been to church. I've been to so many churches, church services. And I've heard, I heard somebody say this. And we're going to read it right now in Acts 1. The man, church is really built in, in these four things that they did. They devoted to the apostles' doctrines, prayer, fellowship, and breaking of bread. That if you have that foundation as a church, God could do so many great things through you. Now, if we go back to last week, Pastor Rich talks about John and Peter going before, before this court, before these judges. And they basically told them, we will not bow down to your system. They basically told them, we will not shut up and we will not stop proclaiming the name of Jesus. Even if you want to kill us, you will not kill us all. Even if you want to stop us, you can't stop us all because we are multiplying, we are growing. We will keep proclaiming the name above all names that we just heard about, the name of Jesus. The name that has power to raise the dead, the name that has power to change the hearts. We will not shut up about it. And I believe as a church, we got to take a stand today. You see, we keep reading on chapter 4 after they were released. They didn't know what to do with Peter and John. They didn't know what to do with such boldness. They were released and it says that the church started praying for boldness and God gave them boldness. And they became bold to share the gospel and great miracles and things happened. the name of Jesus. Have I been preaching all this time with a mic off? Come on. So, amen. So, in Acts chapter 4, I want, I'm going to get to Acts chapter 5. How many of you guys brought your Bibles? Yes? If you're watching online, welcome. I know when you watch movies, really good movies, somebody always tells you, well, the book was better. And I'm going to be that guy. In person is better. But shout out to people watching online. If you're watching from another city, another place, we love you. Thank you for joining us. But I want you to be at Acts chapter 5. But before I get there, Acts chapter, I can't believe I was preaching with the mic off. Acts chapter 4, 
And the church was praying for boldness. And a lot of times we as believers, we find ourselves praying to God for the right words. I don't know if that's happened to you. God, give me the right words to preach to my coworker. Give me the right words to preach to my friend, to preach to my dad, to preach to my family member. And we're asking God the wrong prayer. We're saying, God, give me the right words. And in fact, the right words were already written and they're here. You just need to read them. You just need to treasure them in your heart. You don't need to pray for the right words. You need to pray for boldness. And as I said, we've been lacking this holy boldness. But Pastor Rich said last week where there's a need, there's a opportunity. Now, I believe that if you pray for boldness, God is not just going to make you strong, bold, and, and super defiant. But he's going to give you the opportunity to be bold. And a lot of times we miss them. God gives us these divine appointments with people who are hurting, people who are in need, people who need a word of encouragement, people that just need a hug, people that just need them for you to look him in the eye and say God loves you and has a purpose for your life. And we have these moments and we miss them. We need to be more sensitive to the voice of God, to the spirit of God. We need to be more sensitive to the work of God and realize there's people hurting around us. People that need a word of encouragement. People that need the word of God. People that need to be looked in the eyes once again and tell them, hey, I don't know where you're going right now, but that's not the right direction. You need to turn around and come back to Jesus. And the Lord has given you these opportunities. It's up to you whether you take up in boldness. He has already given you the boldness. He has already created the moments. Now would you stand up and speak Jesus? Would you stand up and declare the goodness of God? You see, the word, you don't need to ask God for what words to say. It is already written, but it's also written in your heart. It's your testimony. Nobody can tell your testimony the way you can tell your testimony. And it's time for you to speak up and let the world know that if God could change a wretched soul like you, he can change anyone else. And they pray for boldness. And we get to Acts chapter 4, verse 32. It will be on the screens. And this is what the word says. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Somebody say one heart and one soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. I want to encourage you, to, if, if you go... Back home this, today, this week, read through the book of Acts again, chapter 1, 2, 3, 4. And if you, have, if you haven't realized that we're literally reading and watching and speaking the birth of the primitive church, of the first church, then read it again so you notice that it is the birth, the birth of the church. But what we see here is, is a beautiful selfless situation. When the whole church starts supplying for the needs of others. When the church starts loving on people, when the church had everything in common. And can I tell you something today is that if Jesus is truly the center of your life, we have everything in common. If Jesus is truly the center of your life, we have everything in common. And what do you mean, Pastor Juan, if we're from different countries and we like different food and we listen to different music and we dress different. It doesn't matter. If Jesus is truly the center of your life, we have the same vision, we have the same mission, we have the same goals. And it's to see Jesus glorified in this city and people come to know him and people be discipled through the church. And if you don't have the same vision, I would really question if Jesus is the center of your life. Because when Jesus is the center of your life, the glory is his alone. You start realizing that you have one life. All of those, all of those of you who are young, you have one youth. 
Don't waste it on things that fade away. Give Jesus your youth. You have one life and you start realizing, what am I doing with my life? You start realizing that there is a greater purpose, that the reason you have gifts and talents and the reason that, that, that you're so good at what you do is not just because you've been training your whole life, but it's because God has given that to you for his glory alone. So that when people see your works, when people see the things that you do, when people see how excellent you are, they can give glory to God and realize, man, there is a God working through this person. I need to know him. But what are we doing with our lives? And we go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 42. I mentioned earlier, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. A lot of you are pretty good sitting on a Sunday morning listening to the word. And in a way devoting to the pastor's preaching, devoting to the apostles' doctrine. Now some of you are really good at reading your Bibles and, 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 and receiving this word and treasuring this word in your hearts. But you know what a lot of you are really bad at? And it's fellowship. We need to take part in fellowship. The reason we have connect groups is because taking part in fellowship is as holy as praying. Breaking bread and having dinner is as holy as reading the Bible. Having fellowship with other saints, with other believers who are not better than you, who are not more perfect than you, but in fact people who are going through the same problems, through the same things that you're going through. And if you can partner with them with your faith and just understand that they're there for you to cry with you, to pray with you, to celebrate with you, you, you truly understand what the church is. But we need to take part in fellowship. And you say, Pastor Juan, well, really I don't have time during the week to be in a connect group. That's why we have teams where you can serve here at church. Well, Pastor Juan, and you can give all the excuses you want, but it's up to your heart whether you want to take part in fellowship or not. I want to encourage you. It is through the small groups. It is through the teams. It is through service where the big church becomes small church. When you can meet other people. When you can be encouraged. Don't do life alone. Don't keep fighting this battle alone. Don't keep your problems to yourself. Don't keep the burdens to yourself. Have people that will carry them with you. Have people that will be in your life. And not just to pat you in the back but to tell you, hey, what you're doing is wrong. You need to come back to the narrow road. Hey, what the things that, that you're posting online, you shouldn't be actually so some of you should go back to your Instagram and delete a couple of things that don't glorify God. And some of you should go back to your Facebook and realize, man, these things don't identify with the new nature, with the new life that Jesus has given me. In the process of discipleship, there's a friction. There's a sharpening. When you grow, there's, there's some growing pains. But it's good for you. The fact that you could be Surrounded by believers who are praying for you, who know you by name. There's so many of you that I know by face, but I wish I knew by name. But just know that we're praying for you. And just know that God designed fellowship, breaking of bread. There's nothing more beautiful than inviting somebody into your home and breaking bread and having dinner. That's as holy as praying. If we could do that more often... You realize, wow, I'm not alone. You realize, wow, I really belong in this place. I want to encourage you, if you've been coming to church by yourself, I salute you. I applaud you. Thank you so much. By coming by yourself, 
A lot of people, they're usually pushed by their husband. A lot of people are usually pushed by their grandma to come to church. A lot of youth are pushed by their parents to come to church. But if you've been coming alone, I, I congratulate you. But you don't have to keep coming alone. You don't have to keep doing life alone. Get connected. Get surrounded. Get, take part in fellowship. Now we get to Acts chapter 5. First time I read this verse, I read it in Spanish. And this is the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And when I read it in Spanish, I read Ananias y Shakira. Uh, and then I was like, no, no, I, I need glasses. But we're going to read Acts chapter 5, verse 1. And this is what it says. But a man named Ananias, and matter of fact, if anybody uh, is thinking about having kids soon, that's a great name. It's biblical, Ananias uh, or Sapphira, Safari. Um, I'm just kidding. Don't use it. They're way better names. But this is what it says. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. I wonder if they had more pieces of properties. But it says they sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. You see, in this time as the church has been birthed and, and they're building the church and a lot of people say, you know, uh, I don't really uh, agree with uh, church and I don't really like organized religion and I don't really think that, that you need a building. And it's true, we don't need a building to be the church. But there needs to be an order. If not, it's not sustainable. There, there needs to be structures made. But listen, when the structure is more important than the people, then that's when we get it wrong. When the building is more important than people, that's when we get it wrong. I don't know if you know, but man, our church, we're all about people. We love you and we're glad that you're here. And if this building, God forbids, ever burns down, well, we'll keep meeting outside. We'll keep praising the Lord. We'll keep doing ministry. Because it's not about the structure. It's not about the, the Sundays, 9, 10, 30, noon. But those structures do help us be sustainable and keep growing and being good stewards of what God has given us. And in these times, the believers, it wasn't, everyone wasn't selling their homes. If we're reading in, in, in chapter 4 at the end, there's another man named Joseph who the apostles called him Barnabas. The apostles nicknamed him son of encouragement. He was respected. He hung out with the apostles. He was loved and admired by them so much. They felt so encouraged by Joseph that they gave him a nickname. And he was part of their clique. And, and Barnabas was, was a really a, a good man that everybody in the community looked up to. And he sold a home as well. Not everyone was selling their homes and giving it to the apostles. But they were given according to their capacity. Now we read that this man Ananias and in this time so they were doing these pledges and they were saying, hey, I will sell my property and give the profit to the church. Because I believe in what God is doing. I believe in the kingdom of God that's being established. And I believe in the great commission to go and make disciples. And they were doing these commitments of what they were going to give. But we see Ananias and Sapphira had a different plan in the hearts. And verse 3 says, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan... Fill your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit. In other words, Ananias, this is not against flesh and blood. This battle, 
this thing that, that, that's going on in your heart is spiritual. You're not fooling me. You're fooling God. You're trying to fool God. Maybe Peter was a realtor and he knew about real estate. <laughs> Imagine if, if I sold a home today and I came up to pastor and said, Pastor, I sold my home. Here's 100000 from all the profits. They'll be like, mm, the market right now, 100000 for a home. I don't think so. And I know that the Spirit of God spoke to Peter, but it was probably obvious that what he did was wrong. And Peter said, in your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. Peter tells him, Ananias, it was better for you not to give anything than to give halfway. You see, if you don't obey the Lord 100%, if you obey God 99%, that's still disobedience. Halfway disobedience, I mean obedience, is, is still disobedience. And Peter said, listen, Ananias, it was better for you not to give. And this message is not about the money. I want you to understand that today. This message is about the posture of your heart. About the fact that a lot of times we get up and we make commitments to the Lord that they're void. That was really the sin of Ananias and Sapphira. The hypocrisy of, of committing to something that was void, that did not have the full intent to support the church. Jesus said it better. He said, let your yes be yes and, Lord, and let, let your no be no. How many times have you stood up and said, God, if you give me that new job, then I'm going to serve you the rest of my days. And the Lord gives you a new job and you don't have the boldness to tell your boss to give you Sundays off. And now you don't come to church. Sometimes, sometimes we tell the Lord, God, if you heal my mom of cancer, I'm going to give you my life. And the Lord healed your mom of cancer and your commitment remained void. Sometimes you said, Lord, whenever I get that raise, then I will start tithing. And the Lord gave you one, two, three raises and you haven't tithed yet. And you didn't understand that generosity isn't about the amount of money. Generosity is a posture of your heart. If you're not generous today, you will not be generous when you have a million dollars. And we've made these commitments to God. Not so long ago, Pastor Rich said, give me a year of your life. And for some of you, you said yes and you cried at the altar. And today is probably the fourth time you've been to church and he said that. It's true. And so where is your word? I was talking to a brother earlier. And we usually say that my word is my bond. No, it ain't. I've failed the Lord. I've lied to the Holy Spirit. And I'm pretty sure some of you have as well. That's why we live a life of confession, of repentance, a life of consistency where I keep coming back. I don't know. I don't care if I fall seven times. The Lord will raise me up eight times. But I will keep coming and pursuing the things of God and saying, Lord, here I am again. Lord, I don't care. If, and I'm sorry. And, and, and change me, God. But I'm also going to put my part. I'm not going to be a bum and wait for the miracles to follow my lap. I'm going to work hard and pursue the things of God. And I'm going to create systems in my life. And I'm going to fast. And I'm going to pray. And I'm not going to let the devil take away the blessing that God has for my life. And I'm not going to let my temptation and my sin take away from what the Lord has for me. Verse 4 says, while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. 
when it comes to the matter of giving, actually, giving is not giving. You're not giving. You're, re you're returning back to God what belongs to him. We talk about giving, but it's actually returning. Returning back to God what belongs to him. And you might say, well, Pastor Juan, I'm, I'm not really generous and I'm just being honest. Well, if you, if you say generosity is not your thing, well, now as a follower of Jesus, generosity should be your thing. How is it that some of you trust us with your children? Some of you trust us with your theology and understanding of God, but you can't trust us with your money? And if this is your first time with us, welcome. We don't always talk about... We don't always talk about selling our homes and giving it to the church. And that God will kill you if you don't do it. Keep coming. Next week will be better. But I just want to say this. And this is what I tell the youth and the parents. I, I don't want the world to school my kids about sex. That's, that's stuff we talked about in our youth group. What the word of God says. Don't let the world school you about your finances. I don't want the, the world to school me about anything. I want all my knowledge and wisdom to come from the word of God. From the throne room of God. And you might say, well... You know, the way my, my, my budget, the, the way my bank account is set up, the way my, my budget works, as you see, you see a lot of you have HBO, Hulu, Netflix, Peacock. You don't need all of that junk. Oh, you, do, do you, do you, Pastor Juan, are you saying that I have to restructure the way I spend my money? Exactly what I'm saying is that if you're going to tithe, you're going to have to cut some things back. If you say, well, tithing doesn't fit in my budget. Well, exactly. I have a theory, and is that the Sabbath and tithing are very much, they have something in common. When we talk about the Sabbath, we talk about resting. You shouldn't be working seven days out of the week. If God rested, you should rest a day during the week. And the reason that we rest is, is to really trust in, and rest in God, enter in his rest and realize that we can't hustle and we can't work three jobs and we can't uh, make all this money on our own, that we just got to trust in him. That's why we rest. And I believe that the tithe, it's also trusting God with my finances and realizing, man, I have all these bills and things and I'm just going to trust in the Lord. But the Lord also has to put some order in your finances. You can't be go crazy and, and, and not thinking about saving and not thinking about all these things and, and spending above your margin and what you make. If you want to know more about this, sign up to our Financial Peace Connect group. But are you honoring God in every area of your life? That's my question today. Ananias' sin wasn't, wasn't that he didn't give the full amount. He didn't have to sell the house. They could have just given some out of, out of a place of joy, of obedience. My guess is, this is not in the Bible, and, and, and you can question this, and, and you don't have to take this, uh, and you don't have to write this down. But my guess is, Ananias saw people like Barnabas, and saw people who were selling their homes, and he said, man... I want to be like them. I want the apostles to give me a nickname. I want to be known. I want to be recognized. The word of God says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. A lot of times we're too quick to post online. 
Oh, I just gave a homeless 100 bucks. God bless them. Mm. And Ananias wanted the clout, the credit. But the posture of his heart wasn't generous, wasn't joyful, wasn't obedient. Now verse 5 says, when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. I'm just getting into the message. I forgot to tell you the title. But the title of my message is, my last breath. My last breath. And it says, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young man rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me, see how gracious God is giving them a second chance? Giving her a second chance. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yeah, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and what? And breathed her last. When the young man came in, they found her dead. And they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. If I'm honest with you, I don't know why this happened. If, if I had to guess, this is the first sin of the church. The first public sin of the church. And God, who loves his church... And the building of his kingdom that's about to happen, he had to make a point. You know that God is a jealous God? You know that God loves you with an immeasurable love? And with his love for his church, he had to make a point. And let me tell you something. Here at LifePoint, we don't want to build a big church. What good is it to build a big church with small people? We want to build big people. You might say, oh, well, that's why Pastor Juan, you're big and what's going on. No. We want to build by big people. We mean people who are devoted to the word of God. People who are devoted to prayer. People who are devoted to making disciples, being disciples. People who are devoted to the kingdom business. People who are devoted to seeking God. People who are devoted to, to rising up in their calling and ministry and understanding that you weren't made and to just sit down on that chair and come in, in and out every Sunday. You were made to shine. You have talents. You have gifts. You have a purpose. You have a ministry. If you're still breathing, God still has a purpose with your life. We're building big people in this place. And can I tell you something else? Is that the church is built brick by brick. The church of Jesus is built brick by brick. Life point is built brick by prick. Now, I don't know about you, but this was a, a word, a new word for my vocabulary. But I don't know how many of you guys know what, the, what a, a scaffold is. S scaffold. Scaffold, yes. Anybody knows what it is? I have a picture on the screen. Hopefully you can see it. And there are these ladders, these platforms they use when they're building a building. But once the building is done, they take the, they're not there anymore. And I know because of some of you, uh, 
schools, some of your jobs, some of you will probably move away soon. And I know because of your careers, you probably won't be in homestead too long. And for now, I tell you, be a good scaffold. But for the rest of you, I have a word from God, and it's this. God doesn't want you to be a scaffold. He wants you to be a brick. God doesn't want you to be just here temporarily. He wants you to be here permanently. He wants you to be a brick. He wants you to be a foundation. He wants you to be part of the building of his kingdom here in Homestead. There's something called scaffolding missions. And our missionaries will go and they help out for a little and then they come back. And if you feel like that's you right now in, 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 in your season, in your career, in your job, be the best scaffold that you can be. But man, if you're here, be here for the long run. Let's go against that saying of the world that says I'm here for, not for a long time, but for a good time. No, we're here for a long time and not just a good time. Become a brick. The church is built brick by brick. I don't know about you, but sometimes I ask myself, where are the prophets? Where are the evangelists? Where are the missionaries? We have so much to give, not just to our community, but to the world. When will we rise up? When will we walk in obedience? When will we realize that the time is coming? When will we realize that, that, that we don't have a lot of time? And there's people in need of that light that you have. And you've kept the light under the basket. Don't be a scaffold, be a brick. Let's build this together. Now, come on, if you're going to praise Jesus, do it loudly. Now, in Acts 4 and Acts 5, there's three people mentioned. Joseph, who was named Barabbas, Ananias, and Sapphira. Joseph, the son of encouragement, loved and and. and appreciated and somebody who ain't earned the respect from the apostles. He died of, of, of an old age. He probably had a nice funeral. To this day, his, his name, for some reason, that's how that chapter 4 ends, mentioning Joseph. He was mentioned in the Word of God. He's been mentioned for generations, for thousands of years, because his name was written down in the Word. Now, he breathed his last in an honorable way. We know him as someone who supported the church. Now, Ananias and Sapphira, they died dishonorably. They didn't even have a funeral. They were just buried outside of the tent. And today we know them as that, as those who try to play God. And their game, their game was over. And they breathed their last. Can I tell you today that there is someone else whom they thought breathed his last. And in fact, his last breath brought life to all of us. And his last breath wasn't his last because at the third day he resurrected and his name is Jesus. And at the proclamation of his name, there is life, there is salvation, there is healing. He didn't just breathe his last, but because his love for you, he was raised on the third day by his own power. And he's alive today. I wonder if you know him. 
He breathed his last. And you know what his last words before he died were? He said, it is finished. Your past is finished. Your sinful nature is finished. Satan, the demons, hell, it is finished. If you have faith in me, you have life, new life in abundance. And right there you are, why don't you get on your feet real quick. There is life in Jesus Christ. I don't know what lies you've heard from the enemy as we go back to Psalm 118 today. And the enemy is always speaking death. Your business is dead. The good old days are dead. The days of revival are dead. Your sickness will bring upon death in your life. That relationship, it's dead. Well, we get to prophesy to our future and say, no, instead, I will live. I will not die. I will live to see the promises of God be fulfilled in my life. And right there where you are, if you could just close your eyes with me quickly. And if you don't know the one who breathed his last so that you can breathe your first, so that you can be turned from death to life, being saved is not about doing a prayer and, and becoming from bad to good. No, being death is literally coming from death to life. And if you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, with all eyes closed, why don't you just raise your hand right there where you are. I want to pray for you. I see your hands. You can lower your hands. And you don't need a lot of words. You just need a lot of faith. And right there where you are, just say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I repent from all of my sins in my past life. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. Help me walk this narrow road. And just make this prayer saying, Holy Spirit, I need you. Now let me pray over with you. Father God, we're here in this place, Lord, understanding that we are nothing without you. That in every single step of the way, that every single day, every single hour, we need you, Lord. You are so good, God. Won't you show your goodness to your church as we step out into this world that's broken. As we step out into the streets that don't love us. May you show us your goodness and your grace. That you are for us and not against us. When you show your church that you love them, God. With miracle signs and wonders. We surrender before you. And we ask you, Lord come closer to our families. Come closer to our lives. As we lean in and get closer to you, come as you promise. And help us be better fathers and better mothers and better sons and daughters. And help us change our community. Help us bring life to a broken world. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, come on, can we give Jesus some praise today? Tell the person next to you, don't be an Ananias. Don't be an Ananias. In Jesus' name. Church, love you. Thank you so much for making it out tonight. Remember, pass by, pass by the tent. I hope they, they unloaded the trees. If they're still bringing them down, hey, let's help out. If not, go back home. Come back. Buy a tree. But let's pray about the nation before we go. 
Psalm 19:14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you, church.